Bibles, I want you to look with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. I know that uh, the scripture reading is part of the process of learning what God has for all of us. I wanted to remind you that this particular passage uh, earlier, uh, of course, the previous chapter, is talking about things to come. And the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about the end times. And if you, if you just noticed for a minute, uh, let's look back to chapter 13. And, and let's look at verse number 29 here. It says, And so ye in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and his return. And what is going to be uh, coming or, or what's going to be part of the process is national disasters. Uh, is what he is warning about in the passage. He's talking about that. I think we're at that point. Um, we're going through things globally. There is a temple desecration that will actually happen. He speaks of that. He speaks of religious imposters that will come and those that are pointing to Christ and saying he's here and he is not. And then there'll be individual sufferings that are going on with kind of a dual understanding that there is going to be spiritual issues, but also physical issues that are going on in the suffering part of, of, of man. But there is also, in 30 and 31, reveals that the Jewish race will never be exterminated. And uh, to give us an understanding that they'll always be in Israel and that must bring peace to their mind. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, teaches that there'll be what we call the second coming. Paul mentions this too. He talks about it in both places where he kind of brings it out. At the end of speaking about it in Thessalonians, he says, comfort one another with these words. And so as we draw closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, we should be at more comfort uh, or need to be comforted more. And, and that's why it's important for us to have uh, gatherings like this still. Uh, it is refreshing to see you today. I'm sure it's refreshing for you to see everybody else. Uh, we need to continue to do really what I believe God has appointed us to do, and that's to gather together, whether it's you know one or two. He's in the midst. We know that. But it's a blessing to see you all here this morning. But I want you to, to kind of just give your attention toward a little small phrase in our key verse this morning, in chapter 14, verse number 9. But in the context of this, he is actually talking about the, the end times in the last days. And so he says in verse number 9, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. So the gospel is going to be preached throughout the whole world. What better way to do that than to put everybody on Facebook or put everybody on on YouTube or whatever. And so God is going to be glorified even through this difficult crisis. And so this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And so we're talking about a memorial. And we have many of them in our country. Uh, we have memorials uh, galore. I think a memorial really is a place in a certain location to remind us, really to bear record uh, of, of something or, or someone's sacrifice and someone giving. And so uh, I'm going to get out of the way for just a moment and go to the side. I think they'll still be able to hear me. This will still be up, correct? So you can see. But this is really the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, I don't know if, how many's ever been there before? Raise your hand. The Lincoln Memorial, I was able to see it from quite a distance on the top uh, of the things of the Washington, uh, D.C. The Lincoln Memorial is really a must-see. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful uh, monument. It was constructed, by the way, that began in 1914. 
and it was dedicated 1922 by President Warren G. Harding. And inside the memorial is a huge sculpture of Abraham Lincoln, and he is seated, of course, on the, on the marble uh, temple, if you would, looking straight ahead towards the Capitol building. The 16th president of the United States delivered the famous Gettysburg Address, which is inscribed on, on, onto the memorial. And you have maybe seen that, and it's just it's, it's breathtaking. And to think of this man being one of the great presidents of the United States. Um, if we go to the next one, um, this is really the Washington Monument. How many have ever seen this? Uh, probably on TV. Maybe you've been there. The statue, uh, or, or this lo- located on the corner of 15th Street and, and, uh, and Constitution Avenue on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Washington Monument had its first cornerstone laid in 1848, but it ran out of funding. That's happened before, and it happened now, and remained unfinished for nearly 25 years. That's a long time to wait. Don't you hate waiting? I mean, can you imagine those people that were saying, let's get this monument up, and they had to wait and wait and wait. But then they provided this monument honors the presidents of the United States as its tallest structure in the nation's capital. And by law, it will always be. Today, the monument stands 555 feet tall. Uh, and by the way, you can take an elevator to the top of it if you stand in line and pay for the ticket. Uh, the next one... Um, Going to the next one here. I must have pushed the wrong button. Number three is the Statue of Liberty. How have you ever seen this? You know, I've never been able to see it. I think I've seen it from the air coming in from that part of the world. But uh, the Statue of Liberty in New York really is a symbol of immigration. Uh, people looking for a better life. And, and by the way, you can still have a good life here in America. We still have liberty. I really believe that the absence of the Spirit of God less liberty. The Bible teaches us that, and so really what rests upon our liberty is the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what we need to be looking at instead of thinking it's going to be a better president or better rules or, or better laws. It's really the Holy Spirit's guidance with men that are in charge and men that are leading. And so interesting, when, when immigrants came over to the U.S. from the East, one of the first things that they saw was Lady Liberty with her torch held high in the air. I love this, the song, um, what is it, um, can you guys help me with this? What's that song? Uh, there's a statue of liberty with her, and then the cross, it kind of goes back and forth. Is it called the lighthouse or something like that? Yeah, I love that, Statue of Liberty and the lighthouse. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Of course, it was written, I believe, with the, the, the idea that on Calvary, there also is something that stretches forth. And, and shining out freedom and liberty, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ, and gives freedom to the man, uh, of course. The, sec- the next one, number four, is Fort Sumter, uh, Ch- Charleston Harbor, and, and many don't probably know about this too much from history, maybe you do, but uh, Fort Sumter National Monument is a historical site preserving the Fort Sumter, Sumter location of the first engagement of the American Civil War. That happened April 12, 1861. And, and this was actually kept and preserved for us to remember things, and, and the Lord has allowed us to have these memorials all of across America for a purpose and a reason. The next one, if you would, number five, World War II, of course, the valor in the Pacific with the Pearl Harbor. 
And it was a famous, of course, date, uh, December 7th, 1941, which was the date that Pearl Harbor was bombed uh, in World War II. Franklin D. Roosevelt declared that this date would live in infamy and the USS Arizona, and it is a memorial that preserves this memory. This particular ship was the final resting place of soldiers who were killed on the battleship that particular morning. So it's all been preserved uh, for all of these years uh, since 1941. The next one we know is a little more modern, and this is the memorial, of course, from September 11th. This is in New York City. How many have ever seen this? Raise your hand. Uh, I've not been able to see that yet. Maybe someday I will. But the date really is, of course, 9-11 will forever be burned in our minds. And I talked to a pastor back in the day. I don't even uh, uh, know. I think it was uh, uh, Russell Bodie was talking to me about how this particular event almost brought America to its knees. We almost had revival of September 11th. The crisis that we had and the, the, the fearful things that came to this land at that particular time almost drove us back to the place where we would have uh, a revival in this land. And he said it was so exciting, but then he was discouraged because it didn't take very long for our prosperity to come back. And then, of course, people, when they are in prosperity, they forget God, and they begin to do their own thing, and they become their own gods, and they make their own decisions. The more we can rest and lean upon God, the better off we're going to be. And so, um, of course, this, this date will, of course, remember uh, a lot of things. And 9-11, before the terrorist attack, the Twin Towers stood at, this, at the site of this memorial. But today, you will find a bronze uh, plate that has been engraved with the names of all the victims. The purpose of this memorial is to remember and honor the 3,000 people who were killed from the bombings of the Islamic group that particular day. This is a twin reflecting pools now. There is there nearly an acre in size that has the largest waterfalls made by man in North America. And, of course, you can go there and see it if you want to. The next one, if you would, number seven, is an interesting place called the Alamo. This was actually preserved. We know that it's, the word Alamo in Spanish is cottonwood because of the trees not too far. This was 18th century uh, Franciscan mission in San Antonio, Texas. And I can raise my hand. I was at this one uh, a while back. My son graduated um, from the Air Force, and we were in San Antonio. So we went and saw that along with... Um, I believe it was a basketball game and had a good time. But this particular site is historical, and, and it was the resistance effort of a small group determined volunteer farmer fighters who gave their lives for the Texas, Texans' independence. Of course, it took place a little bit further down the road, 1836, because all the men that were in the Alamo were buried, every single one of them. Uh, and so the next one is Mount Rushmore. Uh, I've never seen this, but I think I'm going to head out there. Um, you know Lee Blanchard, he's probably listening this morning. Lee gave me a book on South Dakota. Came in, he circled where he was from. He's from Parker, South Dakota. And Lee's doing pretty good, by the way. He was part of the Bible study. We had this last week on Tuesday morning, uh, 7 o'clock early. We get online, 
have our own coffee there. We're able to zoom in and be able to have some time in the scriptures. And he is from there and kind of talked me into going. I think I'm going to hook up the camper one of these days and get there. But one of the most uh, really um, iconic monuments in the entire United States is Mount, Mount, Mount Rushmore. I really believe it is. Someone actually said that Washington's nose is 24 feet long. I, that's can give you an idea of how big this particular um, monument is. And of course, we have George Washington here, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. And so millions of people visit this place every single year. Number nine, the next one, is Independence National Historical Park in Philadelphia. I've never been there either. But this is the known birthplace of, the, of, the, uh, of this particular democracy. Um, and, and it's very, very well preserved. Uh, sites are different places are, are there on this particular site. They have the Liberty Bell there, Independence Hall, Congress Hall, National Constitution Center. Benjamin uh, Franklin's museum is there, uh, of course, and people can come and visit it. Number 10, another one that we're dealing with, and I had to put this one in. Um, these are not the top 10, by the way. These are the ones I chose to put, to put out there, um, places that I would like to see. This one I did, I was able to see. This is United States Marine Corps War Memorial. It's a national memorial located in Arlington County, Virginia, in the United States, of course. And the memorial was dedicated in 1954. But it was, it was not just the Marines. It was dedicated to all the servicemen that gave their lives since 1775. And isn't that why we're here today talking about Memorial Day? For all the people that gave their lives so that we could actually have the comfort of, of having our children. You can go ahead and take that down if you want to. And if you don't want to, do it anyway. But anyway, but it's interesting that we think about this because we have the freedom and the liberty to be able to do what we want to do. We can go home and put, bring the grill out and so on. I've been to other countries, folks. And there's nothing like America. There's nothing like the freedom and liberty we have here that we're about to lose. About to lose if we don't fight back. If we roll over and play dead, then what are we going to do? We can go ahead and, and, and say, oh, it's no problem. We'll just go ahead and change the way we do church. Why? Why would we change the way we do church? I think God wants us to gather. I think he still wants the preaching of his word. I still think he wants little children to learn about Jesus Christ, don't you? I still think he wants us to lead people to him. I still think he wants to, people to get saved. I still think he wants programs that will help people so that they can come and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. Some people have accused me of that. No, I'm trying to do is help the kingdom of God. I'm trying to, to help people understand that there's something to do more than just go with the flow. More than just go ahead and stay home. I think it's important that we gather together like we are this morning. And what a blessing. Not part of the message. But what is a memorial? Memorial is this. That which preserves the memory of something. Anything that serves to keep in memory. A a monument is a memorial of a deceased person or an event. And even the Lord's Supper really is done as a memorial. Um, As we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, This do in remembrance of me. And so the first Sunday of the month, it's going to be two Sundays from now, In the evening service, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And by the way, we didn't cancel that, even though the COVID was rising. We still did the Lord's Supper here at Grace Baptist Church. Put me in jail. But I will do the ordinances that God has given us to do. 
It's part of the requirement of being a pastor and leading is that we still continue to obey God. And so it was important for us to be able to do that. We'll be doing it again here coming up in June. And so, um, and, and I think it's important for us to remember that, 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 that Memorial Day is very special, but the Lord actually has given us an understanding that Him and His dying on the cross is part of what we remember and how we ought to be able to do that. So Memorial Day, let me talk to you just a little bit about it. We'll get into the scriptures. This is a huge introduction with a really quick sermon, okay? So it's like a runway. This runway is forever. You're in the plane, and you're taking off. You ever done that? Can't wait till you get the, I think the front tires are up. You look out, and they're not yet. You know, I'll let you know when we're flying high, okay? We're not going to be on there for just a minute. But I want to talk about Memorial Day because I think it's important. Because I think it's important for us to tell our children these things. I think it's important for us to show them the monuments and those places that we could remember. Brother Paul was able to travel all across America, and I bet you you children have seen so many different monuments and places that made America great. And you had that in you, instilled in you. And by the way, these things are, are needed to be taught to the children. Uh, go into the scriptures and tell them that this country was built upon the word of God. It wasn't built on some loose thinking. It was built upon the establishment and the foundation of the scriptures. Many times when they wanted to put laws together, they'd come in and sit down and look at Leviticus. They would look at Deuteronomy and they would come up with these laws that are part of our land and part of our structure because it is a republic, not a democracy. It is a democracy in a sense, but it is a republic because a republic has a structured law that people need to follow the law and obey the law. And when the law gets against the word of God, they're twisting it. This country was never meant to be in charge by people who don't know Jesus Christ. This country was meant to be in place by people who know God and who know Jesus Christ. That's why we have the freedom and liberty we have. Memorial Day, perhaps, of all of these holidays were probably born out of the most human necessity. It's for us to remember where we came from. Because deep inside of you, you want to know who you are and where you came from. Many of you would like to find your birthplace and go back to it. Many people that have been adopted would like to find out who their birth parents were. What was it like to be able to live where they lived? Many of you remember the country that you were born in or the country that you actually worked in and you were able to prosper in. And so it's important for us. There's something deep inside all of us that that fundamental desire to make sense of life in our place in the world. And so Memorial Day is absolutely essential. As we think about generations that have come before us, and now we have this responsibility. Abraham Lincoln pondered these thoughts in the late fall of 1863. But his darkest fear was that he might well be the last president of the United States. He thought that. 1863. The nation was self-destructing, if you would. Kind of like what we're doing today. Yeah. Great civil war was in place, of course. And any nation so conceived and so dedicated can, can, can long endure. He was thinking, can we get through this? He began, of course, his remarks with those words as he stood on the battlefield near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, on November 19th of that particular year. But the minute speech... Uh, that spake, known as the Gettysburg Address, turned into what might be called the first observance of Memorial Day. 
Lincoln purposed that that day was a dedication and it would dedicate a portion of that battlefield cemetery for the thousands of men that would be buried there. And they consecrated that soil in the sacrifice of battle, said Abraham Lincoln, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to the cause which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. What a, what a blessing to have a president in place that would do something like that. The next year, a pleasant Sunday in October, so it was September, is when that was. October 1864 found a teenage girl, Emma Hunter, gathering flowers in Bowlesburg, Pennsylvania Cemetery to, to place on the grave of her father. He was a surgeon who had died in the service with the Union Army in the Great Civil War. Nearby, Mrs. Elizabeth Meyer was strewing flowers upon a grave uh, of her son Amos, a private who had fallen on the last day of the Battle of Gettysburg. Emma respectfully took a few of her flowers and put them on the grave of Amos. And then Mrs. Meyer, in turn, laid some of her flowers, freshly cut, on the grave of Dr. Hunter. And both women felt a lightening of their burdens by the act of honor of each other's loss. And they agreed to do this the following year, and they did. This time, they agreed that they would also visit the graves of those who had no one to honor them. No one left behind to remember what they did. I really think that we make error if we forget the sacrifice of those that have come before us. And I'm not just talking about military personnel. I'm talking about missionaries and pastors. I'm talking about the average mom and dads that gave up what they wanted to do, perhaps, so they could help their children have a better life. And by the way, they've done that. My mom and dad were those kind of people. They worked hard to see it that we were in Christian schools. I'm so thankful for that. And maybe you're that kind of a parent. Mom and dad, don't use this for your benefit. Use this to help your children live truthfully and honestly. Use this particular time to show your children what really, really work is. And what praising God is like. And being able to nurture them and help them. And be able to move forward with what needs to be done. Both Emma and Elizabeth returned to the cemetery at Bowlesburg on, on the day they had agreed. Independence Day, July 4th, 1865. This time, though they found themselves joined by nearly all the residents of their town, Dr. George Hall, a clergyman, offered a sermon... And the community joined in decorating every grave in the cemetery with flowers and flags. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our mayor doing something like that? No. Ma'am, would you go with me today? Let's put some flags on the people that actually died to give you the freedom. We'll take your flag down. The one you hold up in your office. The rainbow flag. It wasn't meant for that, ma'am. 
About the same time, in 1865, a druggist in Waterloo, New York, Henry C. Wells, began promoting the idea of decorating the graves of Civil War veterans. He gained the support of the Seneca County clerk, General George B. Murray, and they formed a committee to make wreaths and make crosses and, of course, bouquets of flowers for each grave. And May 5th, 1866, war veterans marching to uh, martial-type uh, music led processions to each of the three cemeteries where the graves were decorated. And speeches were made by General Murray and local clergymen. And the village itself was also decorated with flags at half-mass and ev- evergreen bows and mourning course, black streamers because of the death. In 1868, General John Logan, the first commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, issued a general order establishing May 30th, an official Memorial Day, to pay respect to all those that had died in war. And I know that since 1966, now we actually made the last Monday of every single uh, May to be to be uh, to be to be Memorial Day, which is tomorrow, and it's interesting as we think about all of these things because we know that even World War II kind of fueled the Memorial Day thinking, and uh, many many people have died in World War II, and so what we do we go to the graves. My dad used to take that Monday Memorial Day and used to go to the graveside to see his brother Jack, who was in the Air Force, and course had passed away and he wanted to put a flag by his grave. I think that's a a great thing to do and to remember, don't you? So our fathers have told us these things. But it's interesting as we think about the memorials in the Bible, aren't we told to remember Lot's wife? What a shift of thought. To go to some place where the scriptures say, I want you to remember a woman. I want you to remember that the fire fell from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot's wife and how she turned back and she was turned to a pillar of salt? Remember that? Stationary salt is what looks back over their shoulder and says, I think I had a better life back there. No, get out of that city because God is going to destroy it. But remember Lot's wife. Why? Why are we supposed to remember these things? But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he got done uh, with meeting with these humble people in Bethany, turns to everyone and says, I want you to remember this woman, another woman. Now, of course, in Luke chapter 17, verse number 32, it says, remember Lot's wife. But here in the book of Mark, chapter 14, it tells us to remember another woman. What an interesting woman she was. So we have place in the middle of all of this scheming that's going on with, of course, At that time, it was Judas and all of his scheming and all of his plans that were going on. We have this beautiful love story of somebody who comes to the feet of Jesus and begins to pour out oil upon his head. We have a place in the middle of all of this scheming, eight verses that show a love and a loyalty to Jesus Christ by some humble people that lived in Bethany. In Mark chapter 14, we have a picture of the ungodliness of sin and the sin of selfishness, but also the beautiful picture of sacrificial love. Matthew and Mark, of course, do not 
uh, did not mention this particular woman's name, so we really don't know if it's Mary. We think it is. But Matthew, of course, doesn't mention it, neither does Mark. But this Mary, of course, that we know in Luke chapter 7, actually came to the feet of Jesus and began to weep and wash his feet with her tears and then wiped his feet with her hair. What a sign of humility and care. But this particular message actually tells us, if you look at the first verse here, verse number 3, it was a place really of worship. And so the ointment used by Mary here, I'll call her Mary because I believe it is the same person. But this spikenard, nerd, this foreign origin that was given, was imported from India. As I was reading and trying to figure out how much it cost, it just said the cost was equivalent to a whole year's wages. Wow, what a sacrifice. What we have here in this passage is proper sacrificial worship by one person, a humble individual that wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to remember her. It's amazing what happens when you have proper humility and worship. Amen? Amen. God moves. This woman, of course, this is a particular place of worship is filled with heavenly fragrance, and I really believe it is today. When you get alone with God, and you speak to Him, and you pray, I really believe that there is an incredible amount of, of joy in the heart of God with that. It was here. In John chapter 12, verse number 3, it says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment and of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with the hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. I was talking to Edmund Rowe last night about this. Had a long talk with him last night. He's doing pretty good. So is Joy. Many of you probably want to know how some of these folks are doing. They're doing okay. But Brother Ed brings up this passage a lot and talks about how this woman broke the alabaster box, which was an expensive box, and how much that it cost, but it was okay because it was given to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and them that are saved, and in them that perish. And to the one, we are the savior of death, and unto the other, death, uh, life. And from one to death to death, and to the other, the savior of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? I think it's important for us to understand that anyone can worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. You don't have to have all kinds of money. You don't have to have all kinds of personality or talent. That Anybody can come to the feet of Jesus and worship him. Maybe you feel less today than the average person here. Maybe you don't feel like you can actually add up to them. Let me share with you that Jesus wants you to come to him. He loves you. He cares for you. Maybe you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. You're not even listening today. My heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you, and I hope God will reach you. And your spirit will be tender and humble before him because he wants to change you. It's interesting as we think about this, the reality is that this particular story is about worship. Let me just talk about that just for a moment before we close. One of the commentators writes this concerning worship. This was her grand testimony of love. She thought nothing too good for her Lord. The expense was nothing in her esteem. 
She brought him the best she had, for her love was generous. Her love was focused. She poured out the precious ointment with her own hands, for she desired to render him personally service. She poured it not just on his head, but on his feet, and to show both of her deep humility for her Lord's incredible worth. There was also in her loving act the intelligent faith, which recognized his office as the priest and the king, and treated him as the anointed of the Lord. Her loving lowliness in wiping his feet with her hair set forth an entire devotion to his service. Enlightened affection suggested the whole deed, and we should do well to imitate her there, therein. By giving our best treasure and our best intense personal service personally without stint to him, who has redeemed us by his blood. Because he has redeemed us by his blood. And he has regenerated us by his spirit. And he renews that power day by day. That's why he's worthy. For this kind of behavior. It was an intense worship. James Packer writes this. To worship God is to recognize his worth and worthiness. To look Godward and to acknowledge in all appropriate ways the value of what we see. The Bible calls this activity glorifying God or giving glory to God and views it as the ultimate end. And from one point of view, the whole duty of man. The Bible says in Psalm 29, verse number 2, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 30, you've got it memorized. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. This woman knew what that was like. Why was this narrative preserved? So that you could understand and remember what true worship looks like. Tozer writes this about it. What is worship? Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and an overpowering love in the presence of the most ancient mystery, that majestic, which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's interesting when we think about this because during this particular time, this woman thought that nobody really cared about her. She's talked about now since the time of Christ until he comes as a remembrance. Beautiful. During the tenure of the great orator Henry Board Beecher, a visiting minister came. It was actually Beecher's brother. He dismissed himself, of course, and wanted to get away for a while. And so his brother was his substitute. Once the substitute for the popular pastor came in, a large audience was ready to assemble. And, and then when they saw that it was only him, many of them headed to the door. And so he said, into the pulpit, he said several disappointed listeners began to move toward the exit. And that's when the minister stood up loudly and he said these words. He said, if you came to worship Henry Ward Beecher today, you can be dismissed. But if you came to worship God, sit down, take your seat. 
This narrative was preserved, not so I could preach it to you this morning, but for you to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. It's him. Do you have a relationship with Jesus today? Oh, how sweet the name of Jesus is to those who have the kind of relationship we need to have with him. But I find something interesting in the text, the verses 4 and 5. It's interesting because the people that worshipped the Lord are susceptible to critics. Maybe you say amen too loud and someone will look over at you and say, why are you so loud? They criticize you. Have you ever been criticized? So was blind Bartimaeus. Oh, be quiet. Jesus, I'm over here. Crying out in the streets, please come, touch me. Is that you? Then don't let the critics silence you. Go to Jesus this morning, personally. No matter how loud they get, you need to get louder as you come closer to him. In verse 4 and 5 it says, And when some, it's kind of like the they thing, you know. Well, they don't think you should do that. Who are they? <laughs> there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why? Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. It's amazing how sometimes the critics can get pretty loud. The reality is that their critics exist. I really think they come out of the woodwork when we do something for God. Critics are like this. That'll never work. We've never done it that way before. Let's stop doing that. It's too old-fashioned. We're doing just fine without that. We can't afford it. Look at that design, Pastor. Is that all about you? How can we build that? We're not ready for it. It's not our responsibility. I think to avoid criticism, you need to just shut up and sit down and not do anything, and you won't be criticized. You can just go home, turn your TV on, do nothing for God, you'll be fine. One day a man met Spurgeon on the street. He took off his hat and he bowed. and He said, Reverend Spurgeon! A great humbug. Spurgeon took off his hat and replied, Thank you for the compliment. I'm glad to hear that I am a great at anything. I think sometimes people can be a little critical, and they're the kind of people that when you walk in the room, they're really quiet. And they look at you kind of, they don't know what to think now because you might have heard them. Winston Churchill exemplified integrity. I think when I think of him, I think of a statesman. He had respect, even in facing opposition, and during his last year in office, he attended an official ceremony, and several rows behind were two gentlemen whispering, that's Winston Churchill. They say he's getting senile. They say he should step aside and let somebody else run the nation. Somebody that's more dynamic and capable. When the ceremony was over, he turned and shook their hand and said, 
They also say that I'm hard of hearing. (laughs) And here in our text, Jesus stood up. He stood up for the one being criticized. Listen to Judas criticize. You're just wasting it. Oh, Mr. Perdition. You are where you belong. You have hurt the cause of Christ so much. This narrative has been preserved for us to see how we ought to handle our critics. We ought to continue to do what God's called us to do. Whether raise your kids a certain way, to go to church a certain way, no matter how critical they become of you, stand tall, knowing that your God is going to stand up for you. Because he stands up for this woman in closing again. Let me look at verse number 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. This is prophecy. Jesus is saying, I'm dying. And she's not anointing me king only. She's anointing me because my body is going to die. And I'm going to be dead. And he did die. And he was put in a grave for three days and three nights. He was crucified. (laughs) But Sunday came. And he came out of the grave alive. And the resurrection is why we're here today. But in verse number 9, it says, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. Just a simple memorial today. A memorial that's in my mind, it's in your mind, that somebody from the streets could actually go into the, where Jesus was and then to anoint him and to weep and then for Jesus to say, Thy sins which are many are gone. And by the way, in Luke chapter 7, if this is the same account or close to it, a different woman perhaps, but he says to her, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. So saving faith is done by Jesus Christ, not by you. You can't save yourself. Jesus saved her because of her humility, because of her brokenness, because of taking her sin and laying it at the feet of Jesus. Have you done that? If you have, your faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Because that's where peace is. It's in faith, not works. Because if it was in works, how much do you have to do? How much do you have to pay? The Bible doesn't speak of this. Because Jesus Christ paid it all. Rest in him, dear friend. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? Can you be a memorial? You can be if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, an eternal memorial. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the truth of your word. We thank you this morning that we had it preserved for us to be able to preach this morning. I went longer than I wanted to, Father, but maybe there's somebody here this morning, Father, that you've worked in. And I pray that we give an invitation this morning, Lord, and As the piano player comes, Father, I pray that 
you'd help us to be able to tune our hearts more toward a humility. And maybe there's somebody here today, Father, that needs you to touch their heart. Would you bring them to the altar? Help them to know that they can trust you. And if they're not saved, Father, I pray you work in their hearts. Use the message now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just please stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning, all across the auditorium. What a blessing to see you here this morning. But maybe you need to come. Maybe it's for church membership. Maybe it's for baptism. Maybe it's to be saved. We'll take care of that this morning. As I pray, I hope that you would come. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is God working in your heart, dear friend? Why don't you come? You're among friends. COVID can't keep us from Jesus. Please pray with me, Christian. Father, as we close the service today, Lord, I pray that you would still work in the hearts of the people that leave, that they would remember most of all the story of this woman over these other memorials, that their hearts would be tender towards you, Father. Be with those that are home. Lord, I pray that you continue to keep them safe, bring them back to us as soon as they can come. Lord, we just ask that you give us a good week now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.